You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin today's show by calling in the spirits. I'd like to reach out to those ancestors to those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us. I call out to mine, I call out to yours, I call out to those of our guests, Jonathan Horwitz, and I call out to those of you who will listen to the show at any time. I call out to these ancestors, and in this way I call out to the ancestors of humanity, those people who lived well and died well and bring to us the wisdom of the people who have gone before us. So I call out to these ancestors and ask them to gather around. I ask them to help us here today that we might do what needs to be done for the whole family of humanity. And I call out to that most ancient of ancestors and essential of ancestors for those of us here, the earth. I give thanks to the earth for the wonder of this day, the beauty of life, and the miracle of life. And I ask that each one of you consider today living in a way that you acknowledge the miracle that you carry, that is your life itself, that we not take that for granted. So I call out to the earth and ask her to draw her wisdom up to bring us all the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way with all those other things that are here in form. Give thanks to the earth for that possibility of groundedness and connection and the reality of the interconnectedness of all things and the oneness of life here on earth. So we give thanks to the earth for home, for hearth, for fertility, and for possibility. And with our feet firmly planted in the earth and the ancestors gathered round, let us all reach up and reach all the way through all of the layers of the sky, all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call that power, let's call it down into our proceedings here today, drawing into our lives blessing, drawing into our lives gratitude drawing into our lives protection, and drawing in the benevolence of this universe. Through this energy, let us draw in all of the wisdom of the cosmos and connect to our ancestors and the stars and draw all of these energies into our bodies, into this circle, and into the day. And within ourselves, may the energy of the earth and the sky come together in that great love, that big love, the Tao, the way from which all form is born. We give thanks to these energies and let them dance within us, bringing us into balance for this day. And in that place, in the center of each one of us, I call out to the energy of the heart. May the heart be present and full here today in a wholehearted way, drawing up the passionate, powerful, forceful energies of the lower chakras, and in particular the belly, where we hold our soul's purpose, drawing them up into the heart and drawing down the intelligence and the clarity and the innovation of the mind, that these energies might come together in our heart, that we might know in this day why we are here and have the courage to live that. So may we go forward here in a good way, 
May what needs to be heard be heard, what needs to be spoken be spoken, and may all proceedings occur in a way that is good for all living things. So I'd like to give thanks uh, first to the Sacred Circle of the Great Mystery up in BC, Canada for their fabulous conference that I have just returned from. I want to thank you all for this wonderful offering to shamanic life and community here on the planet. I have special thanks to Jonathan, not only as our guest today, but as um, a donator for Why Shamanism Now. And give thanks to all the listeners who are donating to keep this show live and free and available to those who would choose to listen. Think of all of the people in the world that may not be able to donate to the show but might have access um, through internet cafes and web access to this information that may have been kept from them for generations. And so I give thanks to all of you listeners who are moved in your hearts into action. They go to whyshamanismnow.com and click on that donate button and um, offer to us the resources that we need to keep this show on the air so that others all around the world might know what our true human inheritance is which is the wisdom and the gifts and the power in shamanism. So I give thanks for all of you that are acting on what has meaning and truth in your heart. And if you don't have the means to offer us financial support, please support us in some other way, sharing it with a friend or doing something that will help the show to grow and to continue to nourish um, humans on the planet. So without further ado, I now announce our guest here today, Jonathan Horowitz. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) So we were just laughing a bit because last time we spoke with Jonathan, he was covered in two and a half feet of snow there in southern Sweden. And of course, today... It's actually evening, but he's in brighter sunlight than I'm in in the morning um, because it's coming into the amazing um, midsummer in your neck of the woods. So you have sunlight today until 9.30 or something? Well, something about like that, yeah. It's... uh... It's really wonderful. Well, we've been waiting a long time. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you pay for that in the winter, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It is an amazing planet, though, isn't it? Just it's it's just uh, fantastic to to think about it. And uh, uh, every once in a while, I see one of those clocks in an airport where it shows where it's light and where it's dark in the world, and how that uh, that changes with the different seasons. And uh, I always notice it, uh, especially around the time of the the equinoxes, because uh, I've I've done a lot of traveling, and and uh, the light around the equinoxes it it reminds me of so many different places in the world where I've been, either in the the spring or the autumn, and uh, it's it's it is an amazing planet. It really is. While you were uh, while you were giving the invocation, thank you for that. By the way, I was thinking about uh, the planet, the our beautiful Earth here, and how the Earth supports us every day of our lives. And I know a lot of people sometimes feel really disconnected, but uh, it for me it really helps to remember that the Earth is really supporting me and. So maybe I can do something to support the earth too. Well, and you're doing that today because Jonathan has joined us to talk about shamanic power and responsibility. 
So for those of you that don't know Jonathan, he is an elder in the resurgence of shamanism in Europe and Scandinavia. He is the co-founder of the Scandinavian Center for Shamanic Studies with Annette Hust. And he teaches in the UK, Scandinavia, Russia, and Hungary. And he recently lives in his home in the woods um, in southern Sweden with his sweetheart, Zara. And Jonathan has been practicing shamanism since 1972 and teaching courses and retreats in shamanism since um, 1986. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I was thinking uh, today about you being here, Jonathan, and I remembered something I learned long ago. Someone, I don't remember who it was, did a study of the great composers, the great you know, musical composers of time, of all time. And somehow... I don't know what they did, but somehow they ran all of their music through some computer and came out. And what they found is that each each composer's song had within it a particular version of the sine wave. And that every song of each composer had that same signature wave. And um, And so it was as if the composers, no matter what they wrote, it still had this fingerprint of their own heart in that music. And I was thinking, as I was thinking about you today, that I think great teachers have the same thing, that no matter what they're teaching, that signature of their heart is present. And I, and I feel like today, with our topic, we're really um, speaking about your signature, your, that, that aspect that's in all that you do one way or another, um, no matter what you're overtly teaching, and that would be these three R's. The R's of um, rediscovering, reconnecting, and relearning um, with their uh, cohort uh, responsibility. So today with Jonathan, we're exploring power and responsibility. So we did mention this shortly the last time that we spoke, but um, today we're going to have the luxury of time to explore each of these um, awarenesses more deeply and to really hear from Jonathan how how these um, different, they're not really concepts, I don't know what to call them, but anyway, how it changes people's life or the way they are in their life, perhaps. So, Jonathan, do you want to begin with rediscovering? Well, yeah. Uh, I, in, in a way, I'd like to to begin with uh, with all of them because they okay. uh, they they all uh, uh, the, they all start with re, don't they? Mm-hmm. Rediscover, reconnect, and relearn. And uh, it's it's been my experience uh, personally, and I've seen it with a lot of other people as well. That uh, the thing about all of these things is that. There, it's like a, there's something that we've had all the time, but we forget, uh, and so it's it's sort of uh, that you come back to them, and you know, uh, very often on uh, when I'm teaching an introductory workshop, uh, almost every time somebody says to me, "I feel like I've come back home." You know, it's a it's a very familiar ground for them somehow or another, and uh, they 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 feel right at home with it. But yet, it's it's things that they they didn't really know, and so that's that's uh, where we get the the rediscovery from. And uh, 
for me, you know, as, as I think I said the last time and something I talk about a lot is that uh, shamanism is, is so much more than, than techniques. And I think that uh, Eliade was really on to something very deep. And uh, there, are, there are definitely techniques uh, in shamanism. And some of them, they're like these sine waves that you were talking about all the different composers having. And uh, some of them are a, a little bit, uh, shall we say, uh, cultural. And some of them are very individual and come from what the shaman's spirits uh, are telling him. And so uh, my interest uh, after, I mean, of course I'm interested in teaching the, the basic techniques to people, but what I'm really interested in is watching them take off and, and go deeper into uh, their own spiritual path uh, within the, the framework of, of shamanism. And did I hear you want to say something there? No, I'm no, just no. wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, the the thing is that you know is again you 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 touched on it in in the invocation you know the the Tao and the oneness of everything, and that really connects each one of us as human beings, and it also connects us all to uh, well everything that is. And uh, I, I talked about that a little bit the, the last time that we talked. But uh, so I'm, I'm very interested uh, in, in seeing the, the people who come to me for, for teaching that uh, I, I love to see it when, when they get onto and, and rediscover that uh, spiritual power that they've always had and and then watch them receive that power and and this uh, this is this is a touchy one <laughs> because a lot of people uh when and we talked about this also a little bit last time when they are offered power uh it can be pretty overwhelming and uh a lot of people their first instinct is to step back and uh, step away from it and sort of uh, disclaim it. And, and so I think it's a very important part of teaching to really support people at this point and, uh, uh, and be there for them to let them know that uh, it's all right to be powerful, like in uh, that uh, uh, beautiful speech uh, that uh, Nelson Mandela gave, which was actually written by Marianne Williamson, uh, about, you know, how we are afraid to be beautiful and glorious and, and shining and radiant. And, and so it is with power. I think a lot of people are really afraid to, to be powerful, to feel that power that, uh, that we are born with. So it, it seems that what we're really talking about when we, we're talking about a person who's able to do that or, or as you said earlier, people taking off and really obviously thinking of, think of it as them flying. But it's that place between 
these ideas, which when people hear them, they go, oh, yeah, of course I know that, right? <laughs> you know, it's like a remembering. And then the skills, but somewhere it all has to come together in, in the doing of it, of how they choose really to live their lives. And, and then, in other words, how they choose to step into that power and what they're going to do in the world with it. And are they going to do that with or without the responsibility and so it, it seems that part of this re process is is about um, like you said it's more than skills it's learning those skills but it's this constant question of how do we use them and and will we use them and will we remember to use them in the midst of a totally contemporary crisis you know it's easy to remember at the workshop to use them we're being told to <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah <laughs> yes, this 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 is this is the main the main issue, and uh, that's why I wanted to uh, bring responsibility into it. And uh, uh, I think a, an important thing to remember is the that uh, uh, responsibility is is related to respond. How are you going to respond to this situation? Of of becoming powerful again, and uh, ag again we come to this uh, discussion about what is power, and what does power mean, and uh, you know when we read the newspaper, we get a lot of very, um, well even terrifying pictures about what power how power is manifested in this world. And uh, we talked a little bit about this also the last time, about uh, how power can be manifested in, in several different ways. And, and this is a lot to do with the responsibility uh, in, in shamanism, I feel. Uh, how are we going to manifest the power that we are given and and being human beings and in many cases human beings who uh, are not really trained to wield power uh, it can it can be a real challenge uh, and of course a lot of people uh, let the power go to their head. In fact, I think this happens to almost everybody. It certainly happened to me at uh, certain points in, in my life. And uh, it's it's one of these things that uh, you look back and you think, gosh, I, I wish I hadn't done it that way. But it's too late by that time. So how did you um, realize? What, 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 what was the thing? So the power has gone to your head, right? At some point, though, you realized, oh, my God, <laughs> look what I've done. What tipped you off that the power had gone to your head and you weren't being as responsible as you or in the way that you had hoped you would be? What was the tip off? Well, I guess there, I guess there are a lot of tip offs. Uh, one can be if uh, somebody comes up and tells you. Uh, <laughs> it's always handy, huh? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and it's generally pretty... Uh, aggravating as well uh, and and sometimes what they say is is valid enough and and sometimes what they say has to do 
with their own orientations, shall we say. But in, in any case, whether what they say is valid or, or very personal to them, uh, if you're responsible, you're going to take a look at it. You're going to try to see, okay, how much of this does belong to me? And if it happens a lot, then that is certainly a big tip-off. And when your spirits start saying to you, uh, listen, why don't you, uh, why don't you go on a, a, a silent retreat for a couple of weeks? <laughs> uh, uh, then <laughs> that's a pretty good tip-off as well. And, uh, there, there are a lot of ways you find out, but I think... What happens is that, uh, you know, there's this, this word should, and, and I know it's a, a big no-no. You should never say should. I love that <laughs> sentence, you should never say should. But uh, in, in fact, it, it, it's there, and we're all human beings. And, and uh, sometimes you just get to know that you should have done something in another way. And so then uh, you have to take the responsibility to stop and, and listen and, and look and maybe say, okay, uh, I put my foot in at that time, but uh, there's no reason to put my foot in it again. How can I avoid doing that? And that, that uh, willingness to go to um, not just oh, well, I have to keep going and keep putting my foot in it again, but the willingness to go back and repair and, and re, kind of realign and reorient and go forward in a different way. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it has uh, something to do, again, with something that we talked about last time about, uh, about surrendering a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and... and uh, and not knowing that you're right. You know, there's this uh, uh, wonderful quote from Ram Das. It's one of my favorites. I'd rather be free than right. And uh, first time I heard that, I thought, no, I'd rather be right. (laughs) (laughs) Sit there in jail for the rest of my life because of of my beliefs. But uh, then... uh, I finally came to really see the truth in that because insisting on being right, that means that you're stuck and you're, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to move. Uh, there's no, no place to go from, from being right. And <laughs> that's a terrible situation to be in. That's the end of the road. So uh, it, it is the, the willingness to change. And and uh, life is change. That's that's all there is to it. We can't run away from change. And so all of the re's, the rediscovering and the reconnecting and the relearning, are are about changing, not not just about new idea, new new ideas remembered as old ideas, but about really um, changing now that we can grasp them in a adult way and with the help of the spirit world. Um, so you, your beautiful words here were about rediscovering or about um, the ability or the, 
the joy of taking people deeper to their own spiritual truth and power. It's important that you put those together. To take people deeper into their own spiritual truth and power so that they can be what they really are and to offer back to the world. And uh, this rediscovering the spiritual power piece has a lot to do with um, or does it have a lot to do with finding ways to bring that back into the world, that valuing of who you really are and offering to the world from that place of authenticity? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we, we have all experienced uh, meeting people who have rediscovered this about themselves. And... Uh, uh, and just to, to be around a person like that is very, for me anyway, is, is very uplifting. Uh, there's a, a wonderful person in, in England. He, he, uh, he's, uh, he started uh, Schumacher College and he's the, the, the editor of uh, uh, the magazine that comes out of there. And is Satish Kumar. And... Uh, he has written a, a, a wonderful book called No Destination. And the first time I met Satish, uh, I, was, I was flying for about a week afterwards. He's a wonderful person. And, uh -huh. you know, we've all met people like this in, in our lives. And, uh, and that is exactly it. If, you, if, you can, if people can allow themselves to uh, show who they really are and, and show, shine, I should say, shine their, their spiritual truth and power, it, it touches the people around them and it has this wonderful ripple effect. So how do you think that, or do you think, that shamanism is sort of particularly suited to helping people get to this place of rediscovering their spiritual power? Well, yeah, I think, I think basically that, that's really what shamanism is all about. Uh, we, <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, and it's because well, one time someone once said to me, everything that's me isn't me. And uh, this is just a wonderful statement. And, and uh, it, it really turned my head around because that statement encapsulates the true and powerful connection we all have to everything else that there is. And so when people really come to the, the deepest spiritual truth, their deepest spiritual truth, it's not only theirs. It's the, it's the spiritual truth of everything that exists. So if our listeners were inspired by this idea of rediscovering and wanted to do one simple thing that they could do today uh, to rediscover the spiritual power that they are born with. Can you think of something they could do, some simple thing they could do today to rediscover that? Oh, I, <laughs> I could think of quite a few things, uh, but I don't know if everybody would agree with me, but I guess that's not the point. That's okay. It? They don't have to. It's your show. No. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you want. <laughs> well, uh, I, I 
think that uh, one thing I would advise people to do is to, the next time they, they pass a homeless person on the street uh, who has this sign out in front of them, you know, in a and an empty hat or a hat that has a couple of quarters in it, uh, to give that person a lot more money than they want to give that person. And so what... And, uh, so by doing that, they, they're breaking, they break their own boundaries, you see. Uh, most of the time, we're really busy protecting ourselves from the outside world. And, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to suggest that somebody should, uh, uh, you know, climb up on the fifth floor and the roof of the building and, uh, try to jump across the, the airway to the next building. That would be crazy. Uh, that'd be one way of doing it, but I don't recommend it at all, especially if you're, you know, over 17 years old, but, you know, by by going beyond your own comfort limits, then you start to realize how much uh, you, we, I, how how we all imprison ourselves. And a, a really painless way of doing this is to give. And uh, the most painless way to give, I think is, okay, so you want to put a quarter in his hat, right? It is a poor guy, you know, sitting there. Maybe he's a, a, a war veteran, you know, and his mind's been blown by the war. And he's sitting there, and you want to put a quarter in. Hell with it. Give him a $10 bill. Okay. No, you don't have a $10 bill. You only have a 20 Give him a $20 bill. Okay? And it's it's amazing. It's not so much that you walk away feeling, oh, I'm such a fine guy. I gave that poor bum 20 bucks, right? It's that all of a sudden you have opened a door, opened a door from your heart to the rest of the world. Uh, my teacher once, uh, many actually many times, that... Uh, you are alive in that place just as you step into your discomfort and that where we are living and where we are comfortable, we are already dying. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, oh. um, it, it's, it's, it's rough, isn't it? But I think a lot of us really are, are doing our best to uh, avoid change. So which kind of leads us to number two for today, which would be reconnecting with being alive and how the gifts the person has are going to be given um, and to live in the world in a way which is beneficial to us and the world. So let's talk a little bit about that, about reconnecting with being alive. Right. Uh, well, Again, as you said, uh, what we were just talking about does lead directly into this. And uh, the thing is that, uh, as your teacher said, when we're, when we're nice and cozy and comfortable, uh, what did he say? We're already dead? Uh, we're already dying, yeah. We're already dying. And uh, in, a, in a way, I, I can really agree with that one. Uh, in, in this kind of situation, though, 
when you step outside of there, uh, you are feeling alive. And then, as I say here, the, the whole thing is to figure out how to live this, these gifts that we are given, how to live them in a way which is beneficial to us and the world. Now, you have a, a lot of situations where people, when they're responding from fear, uh, they're thinking about themselves alone. They're not thinking about themselves uh, as being connected to the rest of the world. But when you come from a place of realizing that you are filled with gifts. And again, this is something that is, is very wonderful with uh, the practice of shamanism, because you, you have your spirits and, and what wonderful gifts they are and the wonderful gifts that they're giving us. So we have that awareness. And when you start living in that place, the place of being rich, then you are able to spread that around. This happens to so many people. They come on an introductory workshop, they walk out the door feeling, God, I'm Superman, I can save the world, you know? Well, it generally lasts a day or two, and, and then they get their feet back on the ground. But at the same time, once they have their feet back on the ground, they start looking around for ways, reasonable ways, that they can use this uh, uh, rediscovered power again. And one of these ways is to reconnect not only with being alive, but with being a part of the world. One of the things that I've noticed with um, clients is uh, around this particular issue is that, that this also often gets translated sort of generically into being of service. And the piece that's missing in that from a shamanic perspective is being of service in a way that doesn't bring your gifts out, um, doesn't actually accomplish that feeling of being alive. You can feel like a good person because you're of service, but that that thing, that unique thing that you've come here to do that's truly your gift, it's giving that that nourishes us. So what I've seen is um, a, a lot of well, a number of clients that are very philanthropic and very um, giving of their time, uh, but they get really burned out because that sustaining, nourishing piece of giving your true gifts isn't happening. Like remember this one woman that was um, uh, giving through some service organization an enormous amount of time and energy, and it was a not-for-profit. But what she really wanted to do was make music. And she finally found a job... I'm not even sure it was a job. It might have just been an opportunity to make music with really young kids. It was like to teach music with second graders or something like that. And um, it was in doing that that she really felt alive. Even though she'd been giving herself entirely to this life of service for decades. And it was just draining her. And here she is making music with, you know, eight-year-olds or seven-year-olds. And she couldn't have felt more alive. So I think that 
people have to be very careful. They don't listen to what you're saying and just go, oh, we need to be of service to the world. Well, yes, and in a very special way we need to. I, I, I agree with you, absolutely. Uh, what I feel and what I, I tell to people is, you know, you don't have to knock yourself out. Uh, in fact, I, I always say to people, never use your own personal power when, when doing healing. The shaman works by asking for help. The shaman asks for help from the spirits and receives help from the spirits, which which are gifts to him to pass on. And so the shaman is not using her own personal power. It's, a, it's another story. And uh, I think that when people, just by showing who they truly are and living who they truly are, uh, this, this can be so nourishing for so many other people. And it doesn't, in fact, uh, require losing. Uh, one time my teacher told me this wonderful sentence. Uh, he said, give without losing, receive without taking. And and uh, I, f I feel there's, there's so much in this. And, and when I, I feel like I'm going too far, I think, okay, what, what's, what's going on here? I take a look, and, and part of it, I think, comes from... I, I don't know if it's from the ego feeling that I have to suffer, you know, and... Uh, put myself on the cross or, or whatever it is, but uh, it's when things get out of balance. And so then it's time to, to bring things back into balance. And this is what, as I said before, I, I really love about shamanic work because you go to the spirits and you ask for power from them to pass on to other people. It's a very important point because... People often use that excuse of wanting to be alive and to feel alive to, to justify, you know, driving too fast or doing extreme sports or, frankly, having indiscriminate sex or whatever. And um, so how do you um, – like what's an example of how you feel shamanic skills or shamanic experiences particularly help us to reconnect with being, in, being alive in a way that is balanced and not um, – you know, sort of intentionally adrenaline junkieing. Yeah, this is this is. Uh, I guess this this is a problem. Uh, also, uh, with the, the practice of shamanism, but I think it is with the, with the, a lot of people who've never even heard of shamanism, because uh, when you start to feel powerful, uh, then uh, what often happens is that. Uh, you lose touch of the responsibility of the power. And I think this is the, the main thing to remember, that the power that you get is a responsibility. And uh, I, I had a, uh, a, a nice uh, letter from somebody who worked with me a few years ago, and... Uh, and she was saying that the, the spirits had uh, told her 
that she had to work with care, intention, and patience. And I thought, wow, this is wonderful because uh, uh, I, it was, she was a, a very enthusiastic young woman uh, when she was on the course several years ago. And uh, I mean, really, you know, bubbling and bright and, and very dynamic kind of a person. And so uh, it, it was great for me to read her, her message where she talked about care, intention, and patience. Because uh, this meant that she was actually appreciating the power in her hands and, and appreciating how uh, she could pass it on in a, in a responsible way. So can you share uh, one simple way that people, sort of whether they know about shamanism or not, could reconnect with being alive, if that's the thing that's really sparking their interest here today, something they could maybe do today that would help them to re- reconnect in the way that you're describing with being alive? Right. Uh, this, the, <laughs> I, I, may, I don't think you're old enough to remember this, but uh, there was a song by uh, Eddie, Eddie Fisher, I think it was. You remember Eddie Fisher? <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor's early husbands? Yeah. And I think maybe her first husband, I, I don't know. But, and he, he, was, uh, he was a lovely guy in a lot of ways, but he had this uh, song, it was a big hit in the early 50s, it was called Count Your Blessings, you know, and and you know, in in that context, it sort of s- sounds a little superficial, like, uh, you know, stop complaining and count your blessings. But uh, if you take it as a, as a practice, as a spiritual practice, and really sit quietly and think about what, what are my gifts? What are my gifts? And uh, when people start to really tune in on who they are, rather than the message that they get at work or the message that they get from uh, their family or from their boss or, you know, which might not be the best, you know, but when they start to really look at themselves, uh, very often this is really a very simple, empowering practice. And then they get to see, yeah, I, I do have, I do have something. I'm, I'm not alone here. I do have something and I have something to share with the rest of the world. That does sort of lead into the next piece, doesn't it? So the third piece here is relearning what it means to be part of the whole. And you wrote that with compassion and wisdom and practice to find the tools to work with the challenges of our times. So what does all of this mean to you? Well, you know, in fact, this is all something I've kind of been through myself, you see. Uh, (laughs) uh, My life has not always been one of responsibility. And uh, in fact, it it took a, a huge turn uh, when I started practicing shamanism. Uh, 
in a what I generally call in a semi-disciplined way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, because uh, the interest in, in shamanism has been there for a long time. But uh, it wasn't until I found out that it was not only possible but easy to contact and work together with and live together with the spirits. Uh, it wasn't until then that true responsibility came into my life. And uh, before then, I had uh, a, a lot of uh, what uh, a lot of people might refer to as bad habits, but uh, there were certainly teachings for me as, as time went on. And uh, I finally discovered that in fact, or rediscovered and reconnected and relearned all of these things, that uh, one's life gets to be a lot richer. Uh, I haven't gotten a lot more money, unfortunately, but uh, I have gotten a lot richer in, in other ways, in ways which are much more meaningful for me. And... Uh, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll just make a little bit of a confession here to Radioland, okay? Those people love a little confession, I think. Uh, I, I used to have a job, and it was a terrible job, but it was a wonderful job at the same time, and I learned so much, as one does when one has a terrible job. This job was working in the... Copenhagen fur auctions and uh, I, I was uh, a day laborer there they could fire me from one day to the next and uh, but the days that I worked there I could make a lot of money and I had a very simple lifestyle so I didn't need much money to to live and so by working at the Copenhagen fur auctions which is basically basically um, and Auschwitz for animals. I mean, it was really the, it was uh, after Auschwitz, you know, and uh, it was a, a terrible, terrible place, but with a lot of wonderful human beings who were working there, it was really very deep teaching. Well, one day uh, I was working very, very late with this uh, nice elderly man who was a fur buyer, and he was looking at wild Irish foxes. Most of the furs sold there came from fur farms. You know, they were real concentration camps for animals. But these were wild Irish foxes. And uh, as he was counting the hairs on the fox's skin that he was looking at, of course, the, the, the fox was dead in the normal sense of the word, uh, I was waiting to pass him the next bundle of furs, and I was sort of uh, caressing the skin, and I came to the ear of the fox, and I felt a, a pellet from the shotgun which had killed the fox. And the moment I felt that pellet, I had this experience 
the experience was that I, the fox showed me the moment of its death. And it changed my life. And uh, I met the fox, that same fox again, some weeks later, and he looked at me and he said, when are you, when are you going to get rid of that stinking job? <sighs> and I said, well, um, you know, uh, <laughs> crummy excuse, I got to make a living, you know. And so uh, the fox says, get rid of the job and we'll take care of that. And I quit the job. And uh, about a week later, the telephone rang, and it was a guy up in Stockholm. And he said, uh, we need somebody to teach a course in shamanism. <laughs> and uh, I've been teaching shamanism ever since. It's funny how things work that way, huh? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> There's so many ways that your story actually answers my question. Um, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, because we're talking about relearning what it means to be part of the whole. Um, but why does being part of the whole matter to you? That's, that's a wonderful question. Uh, I think the, the last time we talked, I told this experience where my teacher came in ordinary reality, my, my healing teacher came and she did a healing on me where uh, the suit of armor uh, just fell away and I actually felt connected with everything that I looked at. And when that happened, uh, it just totally changed my life. And I think that this is important because... When this happens, uh, an empathy is created. Uh, and you realize that everybody is in the same situation as you are. And that nobody or nothing is any better or any worse. And everything is equally important. And that it's all part of this big, wonderful dance. And when you realize that you're in this big, wonderful dance, then you can really start dancing. Hmm. That's a beautiful metaphor because I think, um, I think a lot of people think they're dancing. But there's also, wasn't there something about dancing too fast, a book or a song or something like that? But that... Again, in this rediscovering, reconnecting, relearning, implied in all of this is that sense of coming back to these things that we know, but having the ability to do it in a way that is balanced. And, you're, and it seems to me you're talking about, you know, dancing um, as part of the big dance, you know, finding your part in that and doing it, you know, to the most passionate joyful best of your ability and so that the whole the whole dance is enriched by your place within it 
I mean, the world would go on without you, but it would be diminished in its richness if you weren't to dance your dance. Well, not to dance your dance is also it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like cheating, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, like letting everybody dance uh, for you, you know, and and uh, and and that's that's not quite fair. Uh, I think you know when people uh, finally come to uh, relearn what it means to be a part of the whole. It's such a liberating experience uh, because you realize that you're not alone. Yeah. That's that's what is is so enriching, you know, and, uh, you know, when I went back to Vietnam uh, as, as a tourist, uh, after I'd been there as a soldier, I went back 33 years later, and uh, it w I don't know if it's still the same in Vietnam, but, like, if, if you wanted to get from A to B, and you didn't have a car, and uh, there was no public transportation, the taxis were like uh, uh, mopeds, Right, and the, you'd get on the back of a moped, and this guy would would drive you, right? And uh, I, w I was uh, traveling around with a monk, and uh, and we wanted to go to his monastery, which was about thirty kilometers away. And so he said, "Just a minute," and he went away, and he came back with this guy uh, on who was sitting on a moped, and uh, and he said. Uh, I, I want you to to meet my brother Thong, and and I said, oh wow, and and I thought, wow, well, I I didn't know that Nung Hai's brother was a a, a, a driver, you know. Well, he, Nung Hai, my monk friend, he just called everybody his brother, right? Everybody was his brother. You uh huh. Know? That was the way he experienced life. Everybody was his brother or his sister, right? That was, that was his reality, and it was real for him. And I didn't realize until after we got into the monastery that there was no blood relationship there at all, <laughs> but that there was a very deep spirit relationship. So would there be some simple way that you could offer that people could relearn what it means to be part of the whole or somehow reconnect with that? Well, now, uh, of course, you know, if we're talking to shamanically sophisticated people, shall we say, uh, we could just offer them to, to make a journey to ask their teachers, how can I... Uh, come to feel a part of the whole again, right? Uh, but uh, I don't think that everybody here listening is in that position. And so what I learned from that experience with uh, Nung Hai, the monk, was that when I look at somebody, and I try to remember this, especially if the person is giving me a hard time, like a, a traffic cop who's about to give me a ticket, I try to remember that this person is in exactly the same situation that I am in. 
And when I rem if I can remember it at that moment, then I no longer have this feeling of resentment. I have no longer have this feeling that I'm better than that guy. I have this feeling that, okay, we're in this together. Which kind of goes back to being alive. <laughs> exactly. So, Jonathan, in the last couple minutes here, is there anything more that you'd like to say about the responsibility that comes when we have rediscovered our spiritual power and reconnected to being alive and we're relearning what it means to be part of the whole and we're all reinvigorated and excited? Is there anything more that you would say about the responsibility that then comes in? Actually, I'd like to say this, and that is that the responsibility is what makes it all worthwhile. You know, the responsibility brings it all together. The responsibility is, is what helps you to know that what you are doing is what you should be doing. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I can't believe, have we been talking for an hour already? Is that yeah. really true? It's really oh, true. Wow. Gosh. Uh, you know, it's just like uh, my friend wrote to me uh, about having care, intention, and patience. You know, uh, we're always in such a hurry. The, the been there, done that trip, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then as soon as you've been there and done that, you're looking for the next thing. And uh, I know a, a lot of people are talking about, uh, you know, being in the now. Thank, thank you, Eckhart Tolle, for that. That's wonderful. But, you know, people have been talking about that since the Buddha. And this is really it. It's to take the responsibility and the joy of being alive in the present moment, the present wonderful moment. It brings it all together. That's beautiful, Jonathan. Thank you. I didn't um, give people the contact information in the beginning so they can find you. Oh. Um, so, um, and, and thankfully, you have a very simple website, which is www.shamanism.dk. Um, and Jonathan can be reached at Jonathan at shamanism.dk. So if you'd like to connect with Jonathan and see his classes and all of that sort of thing, you can certainly find him there in cyberspace. Um, but Jonathan, I'd like to thank you so much for being with us here today and sharing this this wisdom of your teaching. You've been at it for a while, and it's really beautiful to to see your heart signature in what you're teaching. Well, thank you. Thank you, Christina, for the work that you're doing, too. And uh, it's really fun to... Go down this list uh, on your website of all the all the interviews that uh, we can listen to, and and thank you so much. It's been a pleasure for me. Thanks, Jonathan. So thanks to your ancestors for dreaming of a bright future, so that you could be here with us. Thank, <laughs> <laughs> thanks to the ancestors who've been with us here today for the earth below, and the sky above, and the heart energy that unites us all. I hope that you all will join us next week. Um, because next week we'll be talking about um, spiritual warriorship, which actually we were just talking about today. Um, so we'll continue 
what is essentially a conversation about um, the spiritual warrior and how to be in the world with power and responsibility. Thank you again, Jonathan. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye. Bless you all.